As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the show Built to Last. I have such an incredible guest with me today, Lonnie. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Hello. Thank you, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. I know. Lonnie and I know of each other, and <laughs> that's usually how it is when, uh, when we have guests on the show. And if you're listening to this and you've been listening to the show, just know that most of the people I meet literally for the first time and have our first conversation when we are recording this episode, and it was no different with Lonnie, we swim in some of the same coaching and business building circles. We're in a we're in the same mastermind with each other, uh, and um, but we've never sat down and had a, a conversation about our stories, our journeys. So I'm really excited to dive in with you, Lonnie. You've got such an incredible story, such resilience, and I know that the listeners are going to get just really incredible value and and open up to what's truly possible in their lives. So I would love for you to share a bit about your background. I know a little bit about your background based on what you shared with me, but um, catch us up to speed on what did you do in your former life and your former career that then led you to starting the business that you have today? Awesome. Well, thank you for a great introduction. Um, I'm super excited to be here and serve your audience. Um, so the long ago history. Um, that led to my most current things is they're kind of a mismatch. And so people are often shocked when they find out like how I had my start. But so I just left a, the second most profitable healthcare company in the United States. I was a fortune 175 CEO in that company and spent 25 years building that career. I'm actually a nurse. So my, um, my training is nurse. So you're a teacher helping people with, Yep. Um, grow, building amazing businesses. And I'm a nurse doing the same thing. Uh, so I left in September after having, having side hustled for a long time. And I finally kind of dealt with my security programming and all of the things that come with, you know, I'm afraid, what about the steady uh, paycheck? I hear people say, but the benefits, but the vacation It's like, well, when you're an entrepreneur, all of that, you can have all that too and be free. So 25 years, I built that career. And um as a female and as a nurse, that's not the common path. But uh, that really came from why I became a nurse was, you know, I was pregnant as a single mom at 18 in high school. I left home at 15, was pregnant by 18. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm not just screwing up my own life. I'm screwing up this baby's life. I got to get serious. So I left high school and went to college, went to junior college, became a nurse. And so people might say, well, why the heck? you know, that's not the average path. Well, my mom was a street drug dealer, pretty serious habit, pretty serious level of dealing. Like, so to give some um, visualization of what life looked like, literally my mom had a cop living with us to protect how much drugs were in the house. And I didn't bring anybody home like to play with me, like, you know, kids do, because we would have piles of cocaine on the living room table piles. I'm not exaggerating. And, you know, all of the elements of the drug trade all over the house. So 
(laughs) That is sort of my story. And um, I kind of have always wanted to get out of corporate. Mm. You know, I was, I had my own journey to deal with getting updating the past and the beliefs and overcoming the trauma that goes, I live the life of the little kid whose mom or dad is a drug dealer. So I had a lot to deal with and that was showing up in my early career. Mm. So, you know, I went through the coaching things and um, for personal development because I thought my career was going to be on the line. And it was, I I told the CEO to F off one time. So you can imagine that landed me in charm school. But it sent me on this NLP journey where I updated, healed, did all those things, and then had massive success after I dealt with my own stories, my own injuries, all of those things. Massive success followed that. And I wanted that for other people. That's how I ended up being a coach. So Mm -hmm. I started in mindset and belief, side hustled that for a long time, did a program called The Wealthy Mind. Just amazing stuff happening there. Then I built a gym from the ground up. not a franchise, just, you know, my own gym. I've battled weight my whole life. And I discovered in that most women who are carrying a lot of weight have been raped or molested early in life. So that was my history as well. You can imagine how I was growing up. And so I got really passionate about helping women heal from trauma. And then all of these, you know, decades worth clients who were, had been kind of liberated from this stuff were starting to build businesses and not-for-profits. And they were coming to me because I've built businesses. I was certainly in business as a CEO, running an $850 million company all the way down to, you know, my $550,000 a year gym and everything in between. And I finally, when COVID hit, uh, my husband is an attorney. He's a trial attorney. He was also a nurse. We met when we were both nurses. And so he's a, an attorney who does family law and criminal law. And he came home the week of the quarantine order in California. And he said, my business is going to fall apart. The phone's not ringing. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, but I said, you survived the 2008 crash. So, you know, you can survive anything. Two weeks later, he came back and he said, I'm busier than I've ever been. Oh, I said, oh, that's great. He said, oh, no, it's all child child abuse and domestic violence. And so I called the chief of police in the town I worked in. And I said, my husband says, you know, child abuse. He said, oh, my gosh, the calls have gone up 38%. And we don't have anybody to deal with it. And it hit me the moment my husband said it, it hit, hit me like a download. I've never really had that experience. I only know to explain it as like a download. And instantly it was like, I got to help other women be resilient, be a badass like me and have their own businesses and their own independence. And so what came to me was I help women never have to rely on a corporation. I've been laid off twice, not fired, but laid off Mm. a corporation, a job or a boss or someone else to dictate what life for them and their kids look like. Because if my mom had had that kind of security and that kind of independence, she probably wouldn't have been on that path. And many of the mm-hmm. things that happened to me wouldn't have happened to me. So in that moment, the second week of COVID, I focused squarely on coaching women to get their own business going and get that thing sound, making money so that they can be, they can love who they want to love and have who they want to love in their life, but not be making decisions based upon what what security do I get out of this, you know, relationship? So women are a choice. So mm-hmm. there's my intro all over the place. There you go. So much, so much resiliency at every stage of your life and your career and also your business. I want to take it back to 
your childhood, what you saw, what you lived through, because you could have gone down a very different path, For sure. right? Like some people grow up in that and they're either not alive today mm-hmm. or they get sucked into the same world mm-hmm. or they are in jail yep. or all the things. And you did not go down that path. You yeah. chose a very different path. What was it? Like, what do you believe? Like, was it something? Was it your destiny? Was it something in you? Was it a thought? Was it a, was it someone else? Like, what was it for you that, you know, just gave you the, at that young age, just gave you the strength to go in the direction that you did go in? That's a great question. I have chills and a couple tears in my eyes as you're saying it. Um, a couple key things happened for me. One was my grandmother. So I didn't know as I was growing up that we were homeless, but you know, we would move on to the next place or literally I came home in second grade and we didn't live there anymore. But I didn't know that. Just the door was locked and somebody would say, "Hey, hopefully somebody comes and picks you." I grew up in the 70s, so you know, it was a little yeah. bit safer to sit on the side of the street and wait for someone to show you up than it show up than it is today. Yeah. But we would often end up back at grandma's house. My grandma was incredibly wealthy and lived lived a very clean life. So I had a example of we don't have to do life this way. There are ways other people live. So I had a clear vision of that's not the only choice. Was this your maternal grandmother? Yeah. Okay. My mom was adopted. So she really struggled with that, um, okay. you know, feeling abandoned. And that. I think that's where her stuff came from. But I had this other example of how you could live life. So that's key. When I stayed with grandma, there was nobody ransacking our house, looking for drugs and stealing my shoes. (laughs) There were Mm -hmm. no fights going on all, you know, I was safe there. So I, early on, I had that. And I believe it is what started my visualization practice. I have a very healthy visualization practice, and I believe that's part of it. I'm an incredible introvert. So like hundred percent, I on the Myers-Briggs personality type, you can imagine from that, like withdraw from all those people. Like I used to hide behind the bookcase and read the book. So I am a, and my financial planner, Phil, he's like, you said you were an avid reader. I kind of underestimated what percentage of your income would be spent on books. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. <laughs> so uh, getting lost in books, the boxcar children, I used to imagine that I was kind of like the boxcar children in my early life. So getting lost in books and finding places to hide and not be visible. So that was something I also had to overcome, but it was something that got me, you know, through, through life more safely. But a very key thing happened. My mom married my stepdad who was in the military and we got stationed in uh, Okinawa, Japan when I was uh second to sixth grade. So that is very formative years. You're a teacher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are formative years. I went to department of defense schools and you did your homework every night. And Mm -hmm. if not, your dad's boss got notified that you were a problem in school. So it wasn't an option not to do my homework. And I was safe there and all those things, but for four years, he wasn't drinking and she wasn't doing drugs and nobody was doing anything wrong. So during those formative years where you're supposed to learn math and do all those things. And my dad, my stepdad is an alcoholic. So, you know, the perfection streak that comes from hanging around with alcoholics. I was a straight A student, but my life looked normal for three and a half years. That was a key thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I had time to study and there were dinner, 
you know, dinner was cooked and all those kinds of things. <clears throat> so they were kind of forced into having a, a normal looking life. So I'm super grateful for that. But one of the biggest things that happened while I was there is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Assemblies of God, but they have a, a I call it the Girl Scouts for God, the Missionettes program. Um, they just, they do a big outreach overseas. <clears throat> so this little orange bus would show up in our housing area and all the kids would get on the bus. And I was like, Hey, I want to go. So I used to go to Wednesday Bible study and I became a missionette. And had I not, well, I don't, had I found it, had God not found me that way, I ha- I didn't have any prior experience with God or faith or anything like that. So that I believe you know, really made a big impact on me. I learned about the Bible, read all my Bible stories, but I learned another version of not all places are bad. I, so I didn't develop this vision of my whole future is doomed to live like this because the people at the church were so nice and they provided like uh, not just education, but entertainment and there were like the sleepovers at the church and those kinds of things. So I learned, man, the world isn't mean. There are these really nice people who do really nice things for you for no real. I can't even figure out why they're so nice. I had my vision of my grandmother's life and I learned to just talk to God all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, even though I was an introvert and I was alone, I'm an only child. Thank God. Even though I was an introvert and an only child and all of those things, uh, I had these examples of ways that life could be lived, and um, I am incredibly future-oriented because of that. Because I remember when I was about eight, I remember, like, I'm seeing the picture, the movie of it right now as I'm telling you. I remember walking up to the door, and we didn't live there anymore, and I said to myself, when I can make money and make my own decisions, I am not living this way. So I was, you know, maybe eight years old deciding like, I am not living like these people live. This is nuts. I'm going to live like grandma lives. And my life looks a lot like my grandmother's life. (laughs) Mm. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love your story. Um, Since we brought up Bible, I'll just share with anybody listening. I am a avid studier of the Bible as well. And, and faith really gets me through a lot of the hard times, which mm-hmm. I want to touch on some of the hard times in business as well, because, you know, we all go through those and they're very scary. And sometimes we think like everything, like the, the floor is just going to fall out from underneath us. If anybody is feeling like um, they're going through a really tough time, it just seems like super barren. You know, we're talking to business owners here. So if you feel that way in your business or with money coming in or you know, the way you were launching isn't working as well now, or you're completely changing direction. I call that you're in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Um, The best book in the Bible to read is the book of Isaiah, Mm. because the whole book of Isaiah is about God being with you in the wilderness and why you're going through the wilderness and why he's actually putting you through the wilderness, which is to strengthen you with the characteristics and the traits and the abilities and the skills to be able to actually carry out what it is that he is has for you next. Um, So if anybody feels like they're going through that, go pick up your Bible. And and I'm telling you, read the book of Isaiah. Um, I recently read it because I was going through that, a a period like that, and it literally saved me. So I wrote it down. It's on the to-do list. Yes. Go read it. You'll get through it fast. You're an avid reader. So 
let's let's kind of swing into, you know, I imagine that one of your motivating factors when you went the direction of corporate was it's such a secure environment. Mm-hmm. And now you are a full-time entrepreneur, which is very different from having any type of job or being in, in the corporate working world and the corporate lifestyle. There's so much structure, entrepreneurship. It's just like a free-for-all, right? It's like, what am I supposed to be doing in my business right now? What am I supposed to be doing today? I'm interested to hear if what drives and motivates you is different today than it was when you were in your corporate career for 25 years. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, certainly um, in my 25-year time, I was 100% security program. Got to get to the next promotion to make more money, to pay for the private school, to pay for the house, to check the box on all the things I'm supposed to do as, you know, the good mom. So I was, um, that was my security. You know, I got to get to the next thing to make more money. And I didn't really become like when my son turned 18 and I drove him to college crying the whole way. I was driving a suburban to UC Santa Barbara crying the whole way. So be glad you weren't on the road that day because (laughs) the suburban got there somehow. I don't know, but I was crying the whole way. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm out of time. One of the things that drives me, I I like to say, I like women to build businesses so that they don't have to miss any moments that matter. Mm -hmm. That's where that comes from, because that's the first time I realized, oh, my God, I'm really out of time. And so my drive there was provide the life I didn't have for my son. That That was pretty much it. Make sure he has the experiences so he doesn't have to live the life I lived and he can go off to college and be successful in all of those things, right? So that was my drive and my complete motivation. At some point along the way, it was like, okay, so I have this big title. I'm making truck tons of money. I'm making a huge impact. You know, I was CEO in hospital system. So, you know, delivering great patient care, um, motivating nurses to stay, all those things. Uh, Physicians and nurses often love that a clinical person is at the top. So making a huge impact, but realizing I have all this, but at what cost? Prior to that, I wasn't really, was not aware at what cost with my son's life. That time doesn't come back. I was starting, and this is part of the aging process, I think. Um, I was moving up to that big old 50 milestone. So between 40 and 50, I was really becoming aware. I'm on the back half of this thing. When am I going to live? Hmm. When am I going to be free? When am I going to do what I was put here to do? And I didn't even know what I was put here to do. I wasn't conscious and aware of it, but it was like, there's got to be more than this. And so, you know, I got more serious about my coaching and all of that. And COVID really pulled that out of me to really focus on women in business and making them not be reliant on other people that I feel like was a, I call it the God infused purpose. Like God was like hitting me over the head this way. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But the motivation and the drive now, I'm struggling to figure that out, to be very honest with you. I left in September. We're only in April. Mm-hmm. And the first 30 days I just slept and lost 27 pounds by doing nothing but sleeping. So I, you know, was I don't know if that was the COVID weight or the corporate weight, but I lost 27 <laughs> pounds and a few more to go. 
But when I woke up, I was unprepared for what was going to happen because side hustling, I set my alarm. I got up at four o'clock, sometimes three o'clock. I would naturally wake up at three. I went to bed at eight, um, nine, maybe 10 if you know something was going on. But I worked on my business first for like three, four hours. Then I would go to work and leave whenever and then come home and eat carbohydrates and go to sleep. Well, when you don't have the job to consume between eight and 16 hours of the day, and I'm not exaggerating, during COVID, as a nurse running hospitals, I was definitely working 16-hour days. And that was October the year before I quit. My friend said something to me that I say to my client. She said, I'm going to pretend like I'm you and you're the client. And I was crying in the parking lot. I'm not a crier. Based on my life, you would guess I don't cry about much. I was sitting in the parking lot and I couldn't get in the building. And she would text me and say, do you want me to come outside and walk in with you? And I'm like, who am I becoming? And she said, I'm going to ask you what you would ask your clients. How long are you going to be available for this? I was like, oh, man, that was really when I got on fire about like, I'm going to build, I'm not going to side hustle. I'm going to build this thing. I'm going to scale it. I'm going to go all in. Had to do that while I was doing a job, right? (laughs) So... I did all of my launching and all of that while I had a job. When that structure disappeared, that urgency disappeared, that I've got to build it between 3 and 7 a.m., that's all the time I have to put into my business. And I've got to, you know, find the moments where I can wedge in the launch in between everything else that I need to do. And I had 24 hours in a day. I lost that structure, that urgency. I struggled. I thought I was losing my mind. I already take all the hormones, you know, that's part of that journey, you know, just of being Mm -hmm. a woman. And I was like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. And I haven't gotten tested, but I'm pretty sure I've talked to a few people. I'm pretty sure that I have some version of ADD, ADHD. And I didn't realize under stimulation and lack of urgency is a problem for somebody who has that brain because the urgency gets them to produce when there are deadlines, which corporate is perfect for. There's always an urgent fire. So I'm working through that. I make a lot of lists. I draw a lot of pictures. I have learned to go with what feels good in the moment. I don't argue with my attention span. It's just like, okay, I have a whole list. Which one do I want to do? I don't judge myself for, but the things that get urgent get done. (laughs) So I'm navigating through that. But the the motivation, my big why, and this goes back to my visualization, I visualize, okay, what does this life get for me? And it's the freedom and the ocean. You know, I get to go to the ocean as often as I want. It's a big motivator for me. I'm hoping that pretty soon my husband will be able to retire. He's a trial attorney, so stress is through the roof. I have one grandchild and one on the way. And so I can visualize, like, what does this get for me and get deeply connected to that? But I also visualize, what does this get for my clients? And I get deeply connected to that because the whole thing is help women not have to be dependent on other people and bring out their gifts and make a lot of money doing it. A lot of people don't want to talk about making a lot of money. Now, a lot of money might be 200000 It might be 500000 It might be a million. It's their definition of that. But there's so much stigma around. First of all, making money in the culture, you know, there's all those beliefs that we carry around, but also women, 
you know, are we supposed to be the bread earners and all those get into all those conversations. So when I look at the pictures of what it gets my clients instantly, I go to this picture of, you know, the kid on the soccer field, my son played soccer field, looking up in the stands and mom is there. Hmm. So I believe the kids are okay. If mom and the aunties and the grandmas are okay, the kids will be fine. And mm-hmm. if you can help people often wealth solves a lot of problems. It can create problems, but it solves a lot of problems. If the financial stress is gone, the family can stay intact. And an intact family has amazing results for children. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be perfect. So I, when I look at the pictures, I see all of that coming together and I'm incredibly motivated to figure out how I can do it better, faster, easier with and for my clients And to figure out how to navigate me, because I did not know that I might process information differently. Mm -hmm. I had all this success in my life. I consider myself to be incredibly linear. Until the corporate deadlines went away, I had no way, I had no idea that I kind of operated in a different way. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Most of us didn't start out in entrepreneurship. And I think that's what you're bringing up is one of the reasons why people, I think, struggle to really get their business off the ground or to get it beyond this point of being really stuck. You know, we see a lot of people, I think um, Kelly Roach was actually talking about this at the live event. She said, um, I think it was the, I think the, the, I remember the number at $66,000. And I think the statement was, the average income of a woman entrepreneur is $66,000. Okay. So if that's the average, we can, it's probably safe to say right around there is where a lot of female entrepreneurs get stuck. Yeah. And that's not a lot of money. No. Um, you know, I would, honestly, I wouldn't get out of bed for $66,000 a year. That, that covers my expenses for two months. Yeah. Like personal and business, that's my expenses for two months. It's right around $66,000. That's just expenses, right? And you came into your business. How long have you been in your business full-time? Full-time since September of last year, so not even a year. Okay. Uh, How long did it take you to get to... You have a seven-figure business today, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. How long did it take you to get there? Uh, From February to September of last year. One, two. Um, yeah, from February to September of last year, I had made $800,000. So two more launches, I hit a million. So I made the December the, the decision in August. And here's how I made the decision. I said, huh, my first four months, I made $280,000. I could live on $280,000 a year if I had to. I don't want to, but if I had to, I could live on this and I made it in four months. So let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's double the ad spend. Let's do all the things. And in August, so I'd had my 50th birthday. I was all these things about don't wait. Freedom's on the other side of these decisions. Am I being who I say I want to be? All of these mindset programming things in August. So I made a list. I'm a list maker. I made the 280,000 and I made the list. I said, okay, what do I need to achieve before I quit this job? Well, that's about generational wealth. So I was like, okay, I need to buy some more rental property. So I bought a triplex and uh, bought my son a new car. I was like, okay, those are the two things that I needed to do. 
I found out that my security actually wasn't about me. It was about my son. So through that process, both things were related to him. My, uh, my son is bipolar. And so sometimes he's functional and sometimes he's struggles. And so I got serious about, okay, if I drop dead tomorrow, what would be here for him? How would, because one of the biggest indicators of how well someone with mental health challenges does is do they have a home and do they have any income? Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, here's the worst case scenario. He lives in Santa Barbara right off of the ocean, but here's the worst case scenario. He could live in one of those triplexes and collect rent from the other two. So it was like, okay, I got to get that done. And then his car, he hadn't had a new one in 13 years. So it's like, I'm going to just buy him a really good car. And then I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about him. So that was a great realization through that process. But as soon as those two, I, I closed on the real estate in July. So I gave notice in August. And I left in September. And by that time, yeah, I pretty much, by $5,000, I had missed my uh, base, you know, my corporate salary by $5,000. That's the power of visualization because I kept saying to myself, I just need to replace my corporate income and then I can leave. So I missed it by $5,000. A couple more launches hit the million. So from February to February, I made um, a million, $1 million and $70,000. How do you say that? Um, so less than a year. Yeah. Okay. So not everybody does that. I would say that's pretty rare. Yeah. It less even like, I think it's less than, is it less than 3% of women get yeah. to a million, even though we own 40% of the businesses? Correct. Yeah. You're right. So, you know, you're in like rare airspace, but I want you to highlight something because if somebody wants to right, the money is relative because how much is important to you is different to me. And it's different yeah. from anybody listening to this. Yeah. 280,000 to somebody else. That's like, that is like, you know, kingdom come like they are, they've made it for others. It's different numbers, right? So everybody choose the number that is like, it's yours. Right. And really own that. But regardless of what the number is, why do we see so many people struggling to even come close to hitting it? And what I would love for you to highlight is the speed at which you implemented and took action to get there because it is possible. And what is so important in the beginning stages, in the early years, whether somebody wants to get from zero to a million in one year, or they want to get there in three years, getting there in three years is still lightning fast. Getting there in five years is still lightning fast. I want people to understand that's really possible, but there's a certain way that you have to be operating There's a certain way you have to be behaving and thinking for that to even be in your reality. Yeah. And that's really what you did. I've always said success likes speed and money likes momentum. Yeah. So what's kind of that, what were those ingredients? I mean, what, what were those ingredients? Yeah. What were those ingredients for you that allowed that to happen? Well, you know, I've got a lifetime of figuring out if not this, what, what instead, right? So a visualization of where am I going? And I knew because I support two households, not full-time on the second one, but when it's not working, it's me. So I know what that number looks like. What you say is important. It's like, do I want to make a half million, a million, you know, whatever. The number is the number based upon the life you want, right? And so I got to build those two, I got to support those two households and I also want my freedom. So how am I going to do that? That means I got to make a list and start taking action. And there's a whole bunch that goes along with that. It's not just random action, but it's like, find someone who's done 
what you want to do and has the results you want to have. So you can shortcut the process. So you don't have to make all the mistakes. You're still going to make mistakes. Adopt this idea that there is no failure. There's only feedback. And be open to testing, asking lots of questions about, you know, to your market. Like I pay for interviews because I want the information. I don't have all kinds of time to do tons and tons of market social proof, social post market research, right? Like I just say, here's who I want to interview. This is what I'll pay. Mm-hmm. So I interview people, got to ask a lot of questions and say, what will you pay for? Right. So a lot of people stay stuck trying to sell things people need, not what they want and what they're not urgent about. So, and I say, what, what is the thing? The last round of interviews was like, okay, if you've invested $25,000 or more, what is the, the process that got you there? So that I can know what is my buyer? I sell at about the $20,000 price point. What does my buyer need to experience? And understand and know about me and my clients and my process for them to be able to enter into the process. So being able to ask questions and lose this, but they need this. You've got to tuck in what they need to make them successful, but you got to really understand what will they pay for. And then accept this idea of, okay, I'm going to try it. There's no failure. There's only feedback. And then you have to get judicious about time management. You got to automate, eliminate, outsource, delegate like crazy. You got to have a system in a process, even if the system in the process is in the process of being development developed. You've got to say, I got to have systems, otherwise I can't scale and somebody else can't take over the work once I get there. So you've got to deal with what's up here, the beliefs and all that stuff, and then get very like... <laughs> You got to be really focused on how you use your time. Then you've got to get visible quickly. Um, the best kept secrets on the planet don't get to leave their jobs, don't get to those income levels. So, so many people are like, they panic on, oh, I'm afraid to do live video. We know video converts. Video is going to rapidly grow your business and your following and all of those things. So, you know, I've had some people come in my program and six months later, they still haven't done a live. And it's like, I told you on day one, this is a big part of it. There's my free content video converts, right? So you've got to go get visible and deal with whatever those things are that come up. And I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm a bookworm and I used to literally hide behind the bookshelf so that I wouldn't be visible. One, because there were bad people in the house who did bad things. Two, because I had an alcoholic stepfather. Those are That's a recipe for disaster for somebody who needs to get visible. I know how to be invisible. I'm an expert at that. And so really getting these things lined up, it actually doesn't matter what you sell. These are kind of the things that you need to get clear on. You have to have a good visualization of where you're going. That will keep you motivated. Mm-hmm. And deal with the mindset and all those things that come up. We can't ignore the mindset. It's not separate, right? You can't ignore that. But you got to take care of yourself. So, you know, you got to drink your water. You got to move. It doesn't matter what you do for your movement, but you got to move. And whatever your faith practice is, you got to stick to your faith practice. You got to fill your cup because you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. I appreciate that more and more <laughs> as I age. But you can't wait until it's perfect. 
You've got to deliver with imperfect action. Part of the way I came up, the blessing that happened, this is going to sound crazy. So October, I had the tears in the parking lot moment. November, we have to also listen to our intuition and trust our intuition. And for me, that comes with, you know, I ask myself the questions and the answers come up and I go with that. So November is like, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to do something different. What am I going to do? I always say, God, I need a miracle. That's my simple prayer. God, I need a miracle. (laughs) What am I going to do? The answer came in, make offers. Make offers right now. I'm in the parking lot. Yeah, make offers. Okay, how? Post it on Facebook. So I made a post about I'm going to do a beta program. So I took my first five betas. I told them we'll get you to 100K in 90 days. And so five people started from that Thursday to Monday. We started the following Monday and I ran that beta program to March. They were getting great results that first week of January. So I said, okay, I'm going to launch in January. My husband got COVID. I had some immune problems. So this was the beginning of COVID. So we were, well, it was 11 months in, but it was still the beginning. We were locked up in our house for 30 days. I was in my room. He was in his room for literally 30 days straight. I built my entire live launch in those 30 days. Start to finish, all the graphics, all the emails, everything in those 30 days. I just got up every day and spent my time and did that. And then I launched in February and had my first $70,000 launch. And I was still writing the sales page the night before I pitched. Yep. And the emails didn't get finished until April. Imperfect action. People, this is how we all do it. Just <laughs> FYI. I do the same thing. Yeah. I do the same thing. I you don't have it all written and ready to go. And that's that's such such a myth. You'll have it ready to go once you've done it the first time. And if you repeat it, like now you have it ready. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you shared that. And you know, uh, did I have a logo? No. So many newer entrepreneurs are like, oh, I need a logo and a website. I still don't have a website. Yeah. I mean, I have a placeholder there, but there's nothing on it. I just got a logo maybe two months ago. Imperfect action. It's and being open to the feedback. And when I made my first sale, I said to them, there is no portal. I'm going to show up and teach it live. Yeah. And you can watch the replays. The portal today is still Zoom recordings of those live deliveries. And I've delivered it over and over. And so there are some parts that I feel like there aren't any new questions. There are, I've ironed out all the bumps in the road. So I'm re-recording those in the branded slides. But the portal does not look perfect. But people are making a lot of money coming out of those programs and preparing to leave their jobs. Look, here's the deal. People want results. Yeah. People in our programs want results. They don't want the pretty things, right? They don't want all the fancy widgets. They, they want results and they yeah. could kind of care less how you get them there as long as they get there. Yeah. And those people, to your point about ideal versus qualified, you know, that's something I had to work through. I'm really focusing on now and I'm in your challenge for this reason. Um, in the beginning, I had, you know, it was like, okay, I have people. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, you gave an activity today to figure out like, who are your top, what are their, your top clients? What are their characteristics? And how do you market to those people? Mm-hmm. I've been going through that for the last 60, 90 days. 
as the market is shifting and what works last year isn't working now. And I'm kind of recreating and pivoting as we all need to do constant. And I think that's part of success being able to do, you know, ask the questions, do the market research and be ready to pivot all the time. I think Mm -hmm. that's important. Um, But it's like, okay, I got to figure out. I'm really tired of the people who don't take action. That's why I said, it feels like you're in my head with your posts and those things. The people who don't take action and they're in the program for a year and, you know, they're just not. Now life happens. Sometimes they've had people who've had COVID, they've had deaths, they've had things go on. That's a different issue. But the people who are just partially consuming, not implementing, you know, that they say they want results. But how do you weed out the people who aren't going to take the action? Because I'm a massive action taker. Mm-hmm. So having people in my space who either won't or don't know how, I, I don't know, won't do that. I, it just makes me crazy. And then, yeah. you know, you're showing up every day irritated because you're yep. looking at people who won't take action. Yep. And I believe anything is possible if we deal with our mindset and our beliefs and we get a picture of what life could really be if, you know, and we just get the list of things in the gap between mm-hmm. here and where we want to be. And we just start taking action and we get the feedback. We adjust and pivot as we get the feedback, not worried about the logo colors and not worried about, you know, a website and all that stuff. We can get there. So I get crazy about people leading with the story of why they didn't do something. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) Let's move on. Yeah, of course. Wow. You, you really just laid out a really simple recipe for fast growth and reaching your goals and shattering even the goals that you thought were possible. So listen, everybody listening to this, like re-listen to the last 10 or 15 minutes, because what you heard, like, that's it. You know, you were saying like, get visible on video. And the other thing I want to just, you know, include with that, and you and I both do this too. A lot of folks think they only have to do those things that you just said until a certain point, but it's like, no, you don't just you don't get visible one time and fill your program. You have to keep getting visible. You have to keep showing up. You and I have the same mentor, Kelly Roach. Yeah, She's showing up visibly just as much as she was probably six or seven years ago, yeah. if not more now. In yeah. fact, it probably is more now. I have another mentor, Michael Burnoff, in a completely different category. He's had his business for 20 years. I guarantee you he's showing up more, more speaking engagements, more video more networking, more connecting with people, more nurturing. Now, today, making however many millions of dollars he's making a year than he was when he first got started. There's never a point where you don't have to do that anymore because if you just stop doing it, guess what? Your business will vanish in an instant. Yep. Lonnie, thank you so much. This has just been such an incredible just story of resilience and story of possibility. And doing whatever it takes to get there while also managing your mind, managing your relationships well, managing your self-care and your well-being well. I think that's so important to share. Um, I'd love for you to share exactly who you work with. Tell us what your program is and how people should get in touch with you. So I'm currently working with newer entrepreneurs, like a lot of corporate side hustlers, uh, uh, corporate hostages and refugees, I might say, and about 30% of my clients are people in healthcare who want to leave be- what healthcare has become. 
but people who want to share their gifts with women, actually women who want to share their gifts with the world, but they might be the go-to in their, in their job or whatever, but they often don't realize that can be a thing like the marketing people in corporate can come teach entrepreneurs how to market. My MBA is in marketing and strategy. I completely underestimated how much that would come to life for people in my business, but I help them launch, create and launch their container and do the market research, all the pieces that go with that, the market research, the building of the container, the Ascension models, all those things and get their product out there in the world. And I show them how to test. I We do it all from the research all the way to how to write the copy. And it's a year-long incubator. So um, it's an amazing thing being in your program this week, I might be making some changes to that, but currently it is like the A to Z, how to get this thing you're good at out there into a package and get it in front of the people and how to get them to enroll in that, in that product. And um, the place where I'm most active is in my free Facebook group, which is women entrepreneurs launch, grow, scale, thrive. Uh, That my company's name is thrive. So that is the place I'm most active. I'm, you know, giving free tips and all those things in that Facebook group. But if people just have a question, I'm just Lonnie at LonnieDickinson.com, L-A-N-I. Lonnie at LonnieDickinson with no periods.com. Awesome. That is in the show notes below. So if you want to check out Lonnie's Facebook group, that is the go-to place, especially if you are currently in corporate, you've got the side hustle, you want to build up to, you know, six, even multiple six figures in, in your year-long incubator. Thank you so much, Lonnie, for, Thank you for pouring into us. Yeah, You're Thank welcome. you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.